It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today, our guest is Grammy-nominated pianist, composer, arranger, a film and TV scorer, David Benoit. We are here today with David to talk about his latest release, A Midnight Rendezvous, and it is quite a fantastic album, and it is just truly amazing and wonderful to listen to. And it's also your foray, if I understand this correctly, David, that this is the first time that you've actually recorded with your own big band. Yeah, this this is the first time. Over the years, I've experimented with big band music. I I was part of the GRP All-Star Big Band, which was a Grammy uh, nomination for for us, our our group. Uh, And that was uh, about 20 years ago. And I kind of got inspired there. And and then it was just an idea I had uh, a couple of years ago during the pandemic, actually, that I had a lot of free time. So (laughs) I thought... Mm -hmm what could I do that would, would be cool? And, and I thought, you know, I really haven't done any real big band arranging. So uh, I had the time to do it and decided to take a stab at it. And Shanaki was nice enough to let me um, uh, include a few tracks on the record. Well, it is a wonderful recording. And I will tell you that is a uh, distinct pleasure to have you with us as a guest on All That's Jazz today. Your career path that you have followed is so encompassing. And it just takes into many different aspects of the music uh, and also uh, television and movie industry as well. And I, I'm, I'm curious, uh, first off, before we uh, jump into the album, is there one particular area where you're most comfortable, whether it's as the musician, whether it's the composer, the arranger, writing scores? What is it that really sets the sail for you? They they all do all for different reasons. I suppose my greatest high is is still playing piano in front of uh, audiences. We we did a tour last December of the Charlie Brown Christmas tribute, and it was so fun to get back out and play in front of audiences. Uh, playing piano is still a rush for me. Uh, I also have enjoyed lately conducting too. There's nothing like conducting a large orchestra to get that thrill of hearing all the musicians play together. And so for different reasons. Those are thrilling, and then of uh, of course the other thing I enjoy doing is is arranging uh, and orchestrating and composing, which is a more solitary event. Being being at home, uh, but I, I like the peacefulness of it and the creativity, and so it's a, it's a different kind of a feeling. But but there's there's no substitute for still going out and playing piano front in front of a uh, in front of adoring fans. <laughs> and I will tell you it it's fantastic that we're finally seeing the cycle of pandemic waning toward if not a total end at least a light in the tunnel if you will. Yes, exactly. But more importantly getting yourself and and other performers and artists and musicians back uh, out on the stage or in the venues uh, and performing again, because there's nothing like that live audience feel. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's just no substitute for it. 
Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the, I, I think one of the cornerstones of jazz is getting that feedback. Uh, jazz is something that's improvised and for the moment. And so it, 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 it really re- requires almost uh, that live audience. Uh, it's so important to get that feedback and that energy. It is great. But you know, that, the, the beauty of pandemic has been the fact that people have taken the time to compose, to arrange, to just uh, hone their skills, if you will, as a musician, etc. And it's been the inspiration for many releases that are now coming forth and manifesting themselves to the surface. And yours is one of them with a midnight rendezvous. I, mm-hmm. I understand that this was really uh, the outgrowth of your experience through pandemic and isolation. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the pieces, in fact, is called At Home. Exactly that. Uh, just at home and ha- having to improvise and improvise in terms of uh, figuring out what we were going to do every day. Uh, there were just some crazy days where we would, you know, maybe get a sandwich to go and sit outside in a park bench because uh, that's the only place we could eat. And then, in fact, I remember even being kicked off a park bench because you couldn't sit there. So we just sit somewhere where there was a lawn. Or, you know, it was just a lot of improvising and figuring out how, how we can manage this and because as you remember, I mean, there was a point where everything was shut down. So it was just really about getting creative. And and, 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 and my wife and I like to go out a lot. So it was very tough for us. I, I'm curious as to the title of the release, A Midnight Rendezvous. Mm-hmm. Tell me the basis of calling it that. Well, there wasn't too much thought put into it. It was just looking for a title that was kind of evocative and a little bit different rather than just something generic. So I thought a midnight rendezvous, maybe a midnight meeting, it could be clandestine, it could be whatever. I, it's kind of up to the imagination of the of the listener to see what a midnight rendezvous could be. But it, it, it seemed like it was, it was the right time to do that kind of a title, a little bit mysterious, uh, maybe, you know, it could conjure up some some different images for different people. <laughs> And then I've, I've shared the writing with a couple of tunes with Jeff Lorber and with Roberto Valley. 
So you put this together and have come up with a rather stellar 10-track release, uh, again, called uh, A Midnight Rendezvous. And Midnight Rendezvous is the title track. But then you jump into a tune that I think was inspired by uh, Marin Morris called The Bones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a pop tune, kind of an unusual cover that my manager brought to me and said, here, I think this tune is is different and unique. And I kind of like the message of the song, having a, a house having good bones to it and a good solid foundation. So I uh, decided to cover it. I thought that it was kind of unique and different, and uh, we had a lot of fun uh, recording that piece. Had you actually worked with Marin? No, I haven't. Uh, uh, I, I, I just uh, I just know the track. You know, I just fell in love with the track because it had that little really interesting intro. It was originally played on guitar, and I used the Fender Rhodes for it because I, I, I liked it. Just it was unusual, and it kind of spoke to me, so I included it. So when you started putting this together as a release and an album, were there a number of musicians that you wanted to assemble and and maybe musicians that you had worked with before? Because I know you have a number of people like Pat Kelly on acoustic guitar and John J.R. Robinson on the drums, Roberto uh, Valli on electric bass and so forth. Uh, was that where you wanted to start with that nucleus of personnel and then move forward to the 12-piece orchestra? Yeah, you're right. Uh, Basically, I wanted to play with musicians I was extremely comfortable with. I just, I love being in my comfort zone in the studio. And and certainly there's there's enough great name musicians out there. Uh, They're all great. But I, I tend to fall back on the ones that I know will come in the studio and just take care of business. And John J.R. Robinson is, is one of those. You can see he's played on several of my records over the years. He's a real hit maker on the drums, perhaps maybe the busiest studio drummer in the world. But the reason that's not the reason. The reason he's just a good guy and he knows how to create a groove. And uh, and, and, uh, and Roberto Valley has been touring with me the last few years. So we've gotten very close and been writing songs. And then you have Pat Kelly, who's been my friend for 40 years. I mean, we go back all the way to the beginning. We were both just kind of uh, starving musicians trying to eke out a living and, and, and just hit it off. And so Pat is my all-time favorite guitarist. And so this was all about being in my comfort zone. And then the additional orchestra, the, 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 the big band was just the icing on the cake to add those incredibly great players. We were so lucky to get that uh, amazing lineup that we did. And did you hand select uh, the orchestra for that particular part of the recording? Well, I consulted with Eric Marienthal and and he's the one uh, that, that actually hired everybody, but I kind of gave him some names of people that I really liked. Like I, I, I've always enjoyed Wayne Bergeron, the lead trumpet player. And 
uh, a few of the other players. So I consulted with Eric and, and there's another friendship that goes back uh, many, many years, Eric Marienthal, who toured with me um, for, for many years and been my friend. And so he, he, he put together just a fantastic ensemble. Well, one of the other tracks on here is called Pioneer Town mm-hmm. and it, has some connection to a town or a place in the California desert? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a town in the California desert. And I have never actually been there. Uh, This title came from Jeff Lorber and I know Jeff's been there and, and I guess it's kind of a little tourist attraction, but uh, he, he just liked the title and he said, how about Pioneer Town? I said, great. It just, it just had a ring to it. So that's that's how that title came about. Right, I, I had a little germ of an idea, then I sent it to Jeff. You know, we had to do everything over the internet because of COVID. So I sent him an idea, he sent one back, and we just did it that way. I, I never actually met with him. You know, it was all done uh, over the internet. Well, as you were putting all this together, and and you came up with some of the different uh, compositions and titles and so forth, you have one uh, called "Floating" on this release, and it's kind of ethereal somewhat impressionistic what motivated that was that a, a a part of your experience through pandemic when you felt like maybe you were just floating well kind of it, it I, I sat down at the piano and it, it was this feeling of being kind of kind of suspended a little bit everything was kind of suspended and floating and I, I just started playing and there, one of the composers I've been influenced a lot by recently, uh, Maurice Ravel. R- Ravel was sort of the inspiration. I, I just love his eth- ethereal voicings and his use of jazz chords. And so I, I kind of, ha- I honestly kind of had him in mind when I wrote it. Sometimes as jazz artists, we write specifically for, for the radio to get airplay, right? Mm-hmm. And the structure of the tune is, is based on maybe a listener hearing it on the radio. Uh, and a Midnight Rendezvous is kind of a good example of that. But, but then there are the ones we just write just to write. There's no preconceived structure. It's just, let's see what happens. And floating is one of those tunes. It just kind of came out. It, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to write this 
to get on the on the radio. I just want to write this. This is just coming from from my heart, and and it was just something very simple. So I, I'm I'm glad to have some of those compositions uh, included on the record. Well, another track uh, in this release is The Long Journey Home, which you co-wrote with Roberto Valle. Mm -hmm. What brought you to that particular piece of music? Uh, That was actually uh, an idea Roberto had. So he sent me, and again, all over the internet, he sent me an idea. It was a groove and it felt good. And so I started developing that idea uh, and then we went back and forth and we created a song. title i I think it's not anything it doesn't refer to anything specific but it's a general feeling like once again you know this this idea of what what is home right now and and how do we get there and and it so it it does sort of relate a little bit to the pandemic but but it was a tune that roberto and i kind of co-wrote and worked on together well when you're looking at the uh, the lineup uh, on the uh, playlist of the tracks that are appearing on this album Maybe uh, a bad characterization, but for me, in looking at the last three tunes on the release, it was sort of the finale, the rousing finale, where you brought in the 12-piece orchestra uh, after you've had this emotional ride or wave uh, through some of the other things or reflections or emotions, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, bring in the orchestra and let's just go to town. That, that that that's right. It, it, and I've I've never done a record like this before. Uh, and, and usually my albums kind of it's just like you, you get to the end and there's a solo piano piece because because like the the Dave Cause tune is kind of the bridge between the the ensemble tunes and then the the big band. So I thought this time I'm just going to go out with a bang. And yeah, I mean by the time you get to Cabin Fever, it's like <laughs> wow. And every time I've listened to this record, and, and after Cabin Fever, I just have to kind of take my breath, you know, catch my breath a little bit. Oh my God, what, what did I just hear? So I, I, I appreciate that analogy. And there was some intent because I thought otherwise, 
you know, the, the big band tunes would have been interspersed throughout the album. I said, no, that, that doesn't work. I, I really feel that let's make this a set. Let's, let's kind of take this little journey. And then when we get to the big band, here it is folks. And yeah, here's the grand finale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now cabin fever. W- w- did you not release that as a single as well? Uh, well, I haven't released it as a single, but it was, I recorded it years ago. It was originally a four-piece band uh, with Emily Remler. It appeared on an album called Waiting for Spring. And so those two tunes, and, and Waiting for Spring is on there as well. Those two tunes were originally uh, jazz tunes I had written for um, that, that album in 1989. And then I reimagined them for big band. And, and par- part of the intention when I wrote it was, I didn't want to write like just some average tune and put horns on it no i wanted to write a big band tune something you'd, you might hear in the one o'clock lab band or 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 you know buddy rich could maybe play it i mean it really in that style of a swinging up-tempo big band so that was why i had so much fun with it and, and in fact uh i sent a demo to the to the label to shanaki and and they they didn't want to put it on the record because it this 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 is this is so jazzy and out there and it you know and so I, I convinced my manager and I can said, let's just wait till you actually hear the real big band. And so we, we, when we went to the studio, uh, I had the chart all written. We weren't sure if it was going to even get on the record. I said, but let's just record it and see what happens. And then they, they, they got the final CD and said, yep, this is great. And so, you know, uh, I, 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 I think that song was, was sort of worth fighting for and I'm, I'm glad that record label was was open to it because it to me it was just so much fun to just have a piece like that which i had never done before no it's a great piece and it, it's a good thing shanaki and uh, all the people around you said yes let's do it uh, because uh it, it would have been missing something yeah and, and it, like you say it is the grand finale so when you by the time you get to cabin fever it's a, this big release you know so yeah I, I think it worked out really well very happy uh that uh, everyone did uh, come on board on that when you finally got into studio to record this how long did it take you to put this from start to finish well there was quite a bit of work pre-advancement work uh at home uh and again because of the pandemic we we had to be really careful about meeting in person. So, so much of it, in fact, in, until we got to the studio, everything was was on the computer. So the recording session um, was only uh, two days of actual recording. So the first day we we did some tracks in the morning, some, some rhythm tracks. And then in the afternoon, we brought in the big band. And the second day we tracked more tunes. Uh, so it was, it was two days of recording. And then after that, some, post-production and mixing. So, uh, you know, maybe all total, uh, it might have taken about a month to do it, you know, from start to finish. And I, I'm sure at this point, you you must be uh, quite proud of the fact that it's uh, finally going to meet the ears uh, and uh, the hearts of many people as, as they take in a, a midnight rendezvous. So this is yeah. uh, quite mm-hmm. quite a recording. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm very, very proud of it. <laughs> so any plans, uh, David, to take this on the road, so to speak, now that uh, you have uh, a clearer path for getting out there? Well, yeah. Um, of course, taking a, a, a large ensemble on the road is is pretty expensive, but we, we've actually got some interest in some some college bands around the country. 
that say, hey, we're looking for material. So we have one. Uh, I, I'll have to call my manager uh, to get the dates, but we, mm-hmm. we've been getting a couple of dates around the country, like, for, you know, looking towards the summer. Um, and then we have a date in Palm Springs with a big band. So there, it's kind of interesting. As soon as I recorded these tracks, all of a sudden there's some interest in in and maybe doing some live big band uh, shows, which would which would really be fantastic. So you would do something like send them charts or arrangements, and yes. uh, they would uh, go at it, and maybe you show up. Oh, I would definitely show up. Yeah, I, I always send them the charts, like you say in advance, and then. Uh, you know, uh, lead the band at the piano uh, and and maybe come in early for a couple of rehearsals and then go for it. So you've been at this for quite some time. You're originally a a California native, born and raised Mm -hmm. uh, and still living in California. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as we alluded to at the beginning of the program and our discussion, uh, you've you've kind of done it all. You've been a composer, a pianist, you've worked on uh, TV and film scores uh, and, and, and so many things. Is there anything that maybe you haven't done yet and is on your bucket list still? <laughs> well, um, uh, that's a, that, that, that's a good question. I, I have some, uh, some symphony compositions I've written for full orchestra, uh, which I haven't recorded yet. So I, I may at one point want to get into the studio with an orchestra and record, some of my uh, symphonic compositions. Uh, I, I did do an album a few years back. There were a couple of them that appeared on an album. It was just a crowdfunded record, but I, I, I'd like to explore that further. I'm also, I may do an, an entire big band album that, from start to finish because uh, I'm getting so much positive reaction from the uh, big band tracks that I, so so I'm looking at possibilities, uh, uh, just looking at all the, thoughts uh and uh, you know at one point i would love to write a musical or an opera i mean that would be incredible so i I always keep those options open but uh yeah i mean uh uh, like you say i've I've, i'm very happy that i've accomplished a lot of really what i set out to do in my career uh and now at my age it's kind of like you know icing on the cake in a sense whatever i do from this point forward i'm just blessed and happy that i'm able to continue to play and compose and arrange and just, you know, just keep t- seeing where it takes me. <laughs> Tell us uh, just a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, before we uh, wrap up here today, uh, about your association with the Peanuts story. There there have been so many uh, recordings uh, that ha- have been floating around out there, obviously, between yourself and Mr. Garaldi. It was Garaldi that inspired you to get connected to it or did you form a relationship with him first and then you stepped into the picture with the uh, the peanuts experience well uh yeah i'm happy to share that story with you and how it all came about uh and i'll give you the very short version because the long version would 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 take a while so if we step back to um when i was a little kid starting with just being a fan of the comic strip and, and relating to Charlie Brown, you know, that here was a kid that got depressed mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I did and kind of just losing it, everything and not feeling very good, you know, and, and, and just having this alter ego in Charlie Brown. Um, so that's where it kind of started. And then the show, the, the, the Christmas it's Christmas time, Charlie Brown debuted in 1965 and of course, I was there to watch the 
debut of it. And the music just knocked me out. So, so Vince Guaraldi was like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to be a jazz pianist. I want to play like that. And it was a big, so Vince was a big inspiration for me to start playing jazz piano. So I started to sound, I tried, I, 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 you know, listened to Vance and kind of imitated his style. Never met him. You know, he hmm. died. He was only 47 when he died. So didn't have the chance to meet him. So what happened was I, I recorded um, a couple of his, like uh, I recorded Christmas time is here and Linus and Lucy and it got the attention of Lee Mendelssohn. He heard it. And so Lee was the one hiring the composers to write the music for Charlie Brown. But the, the ones he was working with were more traditional. So he wanted to bring it back to that jazz piano sound. He was looking for someone. So he, he, uh, he, uh, produced, a, uh, he produced a documentary series called This is America, Charlie Brown. And he hired a different composer for each episode. So we hired Dave Brubeck, Wynton Marsalis. Uh, Dave Grusin, uh, George Winston, and myself. And somehow he and I just clicked or connected. He liked what I did. So uh, eventually I, I became the official composer of the Charlie Brown TV shows. And then he introduced me to Sparky. And, and then I got to meeting Charles Schultz himself. And then we got to be friends and 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 uh, until and right up until he died in 2000 and then i just kind of carried on the tradition so and i'm that that's kind of how it all came about and now i'm working lee middleson uh, passed away uh, sadly uh, about a year ago and so i'm now working with his sons and we're doing we're reimagining all the music of charlie brown for symphony orchestra so that's been a project i've been very deep involved in uh, and we'll be debuting all of that music in Santa Rosa that'll be coming up in October. I, be I believe it's October 10th, the Santa Rosa Symphony Orchestra. So that that has been a project that's been consuming a lot of my time, but enjoying <laughs> enjoying every minute of it. I mean, the, the challenge of taking Giraldi, the piano trio music, and, and, and reimagining it for symphony has been really, really a, a, a trip for me. But I was a lifelong fan of Charlie Brown. So in, in many respects, I think it was kind of destiny if there is such a thing where where this the, it just was meant to be that I was going to eventually write the music for Charlie Brown and, and be associated with uh, Vince Guaraldi because uh, from the time of my childhood it was it was something I always loved. Well, you've been associated with so many wonderful things that all of us know and love, like Peanuts and so forth, and some of the movies and the TV programs and your compositions that uh, we all know and love. But one other thing in closing I, I, that I wanted to ask you, if you're still connected with the the Asian uh, American Symphony as well as the Youth Orchestra for that component. Yes, that's a great question. And yes, I am. Um, we recently... Uh, did a name change, and now we're the Pacific Vision Youth Symphony. Uh, it was it was an effort to just be all inclusive, and and um, so we we did that a few years ago, and uh, then then uh, when the pandemic hit, it kind of put us out of business for a while. So uh, it was very difficult trying to navigate through rehearsals and figuring out how to do it. So for there, there was a year where we were completely shut down, and now we're back. And uh, I've been attending rehearsals. Uh, we have a 55-piece orchestra of, of young people. 
And it's just been a blast. Uh, so it's so fun to be back in front of the kids. Uh, we've been doing, you know, a little bit of Mozart and some Chopin, as well as some of the Giraldi arrangements that I've written. And then some of the movie songs, too. They, they love playing, uh, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean and, and, and all, all of that re- repertoire as well. So, so yes, that, that orchestra is back. It's the Pacific Vision Youth Symphony uh, based here in Palos Verdes. We, we can't have symphony orchestras or even it applies to jazz, too, professional jazz musicians, if we don't encourage our youth and give them opportunities to learn about music. And so, so it's been a real mission of mine to be able to spread that uh, word to, to to kids and uh, and I, I've had a, a few of our students have gone on to have great careers as conductors and soloists and it's I'm very very proud of them. Uh, I imagine that all of uh, the people associated with not only the symphony but the youth orchestra as well is uh, grateful for your your hand in mm-hmm. their place in the future of music. Mm, thank you. Yeah. David, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today about your recording uh, and some other aspects of uh, your rich and incredible career. How can some of our listeners learn a little bit more about you? Are there websites uh, and other social media that they can uh, gather info and, and yeah. learn more about you? Yes, there's two two places to go. One is uh, my website, which is uh, it's davidbenoitmusic.com. So that's all one word, davidbenoitmusic.com. You can find a lot of information there. And I also, my daughter is actually doing uh, social media for me now, and she set up an an official David Benoit Instagram site. And that's a fun site. There's a lot of updates, and I do videos and talk about upcoming concerts. And so so, so go to the Instagram, uh, David Benoit Instagram site, or the uh, website, davidbenoitmusic.com. It has been a distinct pleasure, David, to have you as a guest today on All That's Jazz. All right. My pleasure's been all mine. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with pianist, composer, arranger, and producer, David Benoit. We'd like to thank Ben Sedrin for the use of Mr. P's Shuffle as our theme song. And visit us again next time for another interesting conversation on All That's Jazz. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the streaming service you use. All That's Jazz is available on every major streaming app, including Podbean, Apple Podcast, and Spotify, as well as Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.